Welcome to Northridge. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen you guys. Uh, I don't know if you've been around or if you haven't been around, but Laura and I and the kids, uh, we've been on vacation for uh, about a week and a half, actually, but we missed two Sundays. Um, and so we're just, we're just thankful to be back. The vacation was awesome. Uh, we squeezed in two family reunions in a week and a half. Got to see the mountains, whitewater rafting, a little bit of golfing. Until I hit my shot, and then it's out of vacation. But uh, but we had a black. I got to see black bear twice. One time was really close. That was really awesome. It was a good time. But uh, uh, honestly, uh, we're just glad to be back because we do honestly what we do not. It's not about so it's good to be back. Uh, but we're glad to be here. And uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, I know there's been a couple of you. This is true. Uh, we just want to say welcome. Glad to have you here. And uh, we want you to know this is a safe place. That it is a safe place. No matter where you're at with God or whether you believe in God or not, it's a safe place for you to have you. So we uh, are, are in this series, The Power of Story. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, Chris has, has told you a couple of different stories. We, we talked about Jesus who was kind of forced into a position to, to make a judgment call on a woman who was caught in adultery. He offered incredible forgiveness to her, but also called her to leave her life of sin. It was kind of putting her in these positions. And, uh, and then last week, Chris talked a little bit about the story of Joseph, and we learned a couple of principles. And, and thanks for that story. And also, uh, I love this, what, how she talked about this, but talked about how we can trust in God, even in the details of life. Which this is to say, God takes you to pray and to 
starts going down, he starts realizing in a few seconds that this thing is going really fast. And so he starts to Starvation, said Esau. Look, 
realize that he brings home the need, he brings home the bacon, so to speak. But he brings home meat. And so, so Esau's been out, he's been hunting all day, and he's exhausted. For whatever reason, Esau's a great hunter, but he comes home with nothing. Okay, so he's exhausted, he's hungry, he probably hasn't eaten all day. And then he says a couple of times, as you notice in that story, he says to Jacob, his younger brother, he says, I'm starving. Now, the question right away, because it's really important actually to this story, is Esau actually starving? Like, is he physically about to die? Is he starving? Is he lacked food so much that he's about to pass And the clear answer to that question is absolutely. He's not. He's only been gone for a day. Is he extremely exhausted and hungry? Yes. Is he starving? Okay. It's been proven that you can go weeks Okay. Now, why are we does is something that we as people tend to have And Esau has the same thing. He dismisses too quickly the blessings of God. God had given him this great blessing, the, the blessing of, of, of having this birthright, of, of getting these different things. Now let me just explain really quick what a birthright is. A birthright in the Hebrew culture, in the, in the time of the, the, the Bible, um, what the birthright was was the 
that Esau did not consider his birthright to be of any value or much He considered a meal, uh, some stew, and, and some other stuff to be of greater value What Esau did is he traded something of incredible, eternal, God-given value for something that was a cheap illustrate this, uh, I've actually told this story once before, but when I was in high school, uh, I went on a music trip to New York City, and I was going to be awesome to be in New York City, and I was going to be on the And uh, while we were there, one of my buddies, he said, while we're there, I want the experience of buying something from one of those street salesmen, you know, the guys that have everything kind of in their trench coat, they open it up, and they've got the whole thing, it's like, it's like this guy, right? I, I, I kid you not. The guy that he bought something that he actually ended up having, he looked kind of like this guy. It wasn't quite this cheesy, like with the hair, you know, look, whatever he's trying to do there. But he looked kind of like that, and the trench cat looked very much like that. He watched. So he did off, and literally, there's a first place we stopped. First place we stopped, there's, there's a guy with a trench coat selling chicken. Rolex So my friend, of course, he knows it's a sham, but he wants the experience of buying from the street salesman with the trench coat thing. You know, it's like, man, it'd be awesome. I can tell you. Like, so he goes up, and he just starts haggling with this guy, and he gets the guy down from $30 to, like, I don't know, it's maybe $50 to buy this genuine Rolex watch. And so he, you know, hands him the money, and we walk off, and I go, so it's you know, that, that he's going to take for, for the money. And, and, and he goes up, and, and, and did is he traded in something of eternal value, something that was going to have huge impact on his family, on a, on a nation, on an entire nation. This is what happens because Esau does this. He sells his birthright 
as Esau's wealth. He just dismissed God's blessing, something that was of great value that had been given to him. But now let's turn our, our, our attention to Jacob, the younger brother. Because Esau sells his birthright to him. And Jacob, of the two brothers, believe it or not, Jacob, even though to me 